Welcome to the Calvary Chapel Naples weekly sermon podcast. We hope you'll be blessed by this week's message. For more information about this podcast and other Calvary Chapel Naples resources, please visit us at ccnaples.org. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for uh, just the privilege to be here this morning to listen to you. And I ask that uh, the words that come out of my mouth are not my words, but your words. I ask that, uh, that I'm just a vessel this morning to present the gospel, to present what you want us to learn this morning from your holy word. Open up our hearts and our minds for understanding this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, if you didn't see last week, or if you weren't here last week, we were extremely blessed. Extremely blessed. And that, for Aaron and I, that's our second time seeing that skit. And I, I know Aaron, I know me, we were both just impacted with the power of that skit. It's, it was just, it's amazing to see how the gospel is simple. It's amazing to see how, and it reminds us that we oftentimes have the heart of Barabbas. That cocky attitude of, yeah, this guy, that's the guy that deserves it. And that is the furthest thing from the truth. And as I was thinking through that over the week, as I'm reading through Galatians, as I'm preparing for this morning, Galatians 5, verse 1, it says this, and I've got the ESV translation, so sorry if it's slightly different. But it says this, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. In that skit he had the chains and they were released from Barabbas and they've been released from us but he kept picking him up and putting him around his neck he kept putting him around his hands he kept binding himself up again how true is that of us we have been freed from the law through the grace and mercy of our God through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, through the blood atonement, we have been freed, but we so easily pick them back up. We comfort ourselves in that bondage. We think, this is how it should be. I should be in bondage. I should be tied up to this because I'm a failure. But that's not what Christ wants. Christ did not come so that we could, again, Submit again to the yoke of slavery. He wants to set us free. He has set us free. We are free. If you believe in Jesus Christ this morning, you are free. Don't bind yourself up again. As we've gone through Galatians, Paul starts off by saying, I'm astonished that you would submit to some other gospel. 
Now, I have two sons, and they frequently astonish me. <laughs> I say, go to your room and do this. If I say, go do this and this, the and doesn't get done. Or the and gets done, but the first one doesn't. I am continually astonished that simple instructions aren't followed. But then I think about it, and I do the same stupid thing. God gives us clear instruction. My wife gives me clear instruction, and I forget <laughs> what I'm supposed to pick up at the grocery store. I tried for a time to have her put it in an app that I could get at the grocery store so that I would know, uh, and then I forgot to check the app. Um, but that's our human nature. Our human nature is to forget what God has done. Our human nature is to forget what's so simple, we make it more complicated than it ought to be. And so Paul is writing to this, this, these churches in Galatia, and he's saying, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and turning to a different gospel. In, in verse, verse 6 of chapter 1. As a father, as, as Paul probably had this, this feeling with the Galatian church, how do you not get it? Reset baseball. He's gotten much better. I think the last time I taught, I had said that he hadn't gotten a base hit, and then the next like, week he got a base hit. So um, maybe this will help his baseball career. <laughs> but routinely, he will get up to bat the first time he's up to bat, and he'll swing like that, super slow motion, because he's thinking, do I want to swing at this ball? Do I want to hit, like, is that a strike? Should I swing? He's constantly thinking it through. And it takes that first strikeout to get it into his head, hey, I really got to swing. I got to swing hard, I got to swing level. Because if I don't do those two things, I'm never going to touch that ball. It's so simple. Just believe in what Christ has done. And so Paul, through this, he's, he's reminding the, the Galatian church, he's saying, don't follow that, that other gospel. But remember what I've taught you. And, and, and he goes through sharing with the Galatian church um, just kind of a background of his ministry. He's sharing with the Galatian church um, how he came to know Christ. We see that the, the gospel was not presented to him by man, but by Christ himself. And, and, and so he shares with the Galatian church. It's interesting, through 2 Corinthians, as we're studying at my house on Fridays, We've been in chapter 11 of 2 Corinthians, so if you could turn there, Bible calisthenics this morning. It's not very far. But in, in chapter 11, uh, sorry, I'm... In chapter 11, he's, he's talking about others 
being false apostles. And one of the phrases that he uses in there, and I'm not finding it at the moment, I should have highlighted it, but he calls them super apostles. What's that? Verse 5, thank you. Verse 5, indeed, and, and your version might be different, but the ESV says, indeed, I consider that I am not like the least inferior of these super apostles. And Paul's being sarcastic at that point in time. He's not really calling them super apostles, but he's being sarcastic. And we see in Corinthians that he has to justify himself to the Corinthian church, just like he has to justify himself to the Galatian church. And we see in chapter 11 of 2 Corinthians that he goes through, starting in uh, um, verse 20, 21, he goes through a list of things that he's gone through. Uh, and uh, actually, it's uh, verse 23. Um, it says, uh, Are they servants of Christ? I am a better one. I am not talking like a madman for, for, uh, with far great labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews, 40 lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from the Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from other things, there is daily pressure on, on me of my anxiety for all the churches." He goes through and he lists these things and, and he was being sarcastic about the super apostles and you would read those things and you would be like, wow, Paul is a super apostle. But that wouldn't be what a super apostle would boast about. A super apostle wouldn't boast about the hardships. A super apostle wouldn't boast about the struggles. And later on in verse 30, it says, if I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus, who is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. And, 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 but that idea, I'm going to boast about the weakness, what shows my weakness. Paul wasn't boasting that he did all these things. He wasn't boasting to say, well, look at me and look at the hardships that I've been through. He was boasting about through all that, God was present. And then he has to do it for the Galatians. I imagine this was a routine thing for Paul to justify what he was doing. Turning back to, to Galatians. In uh, Galatians 2, verse... Um, Verse 17, we'll start there. But if our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ the servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law I died to the law, that I might live to God. 
I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. As I read that the other day, I was thinking about uh, crucifying yourself, uh, dying to Christ. And the idea of a, of a butterfly popped in my head. A butterfly once was a caterpillar. And when the caterpillar is born, and I should have brought the book, The Hungry Caterpillar, <laughs> all the hungry caterpillar does is he eats and eats and eats to satisfy his flesh. That's the caterpillar's goal. Satisfy the flesh. Eat, eat, eat. But then one day, the caterpillar, or the caterpillar says, I'm done with that. And he goes and he makes a thing and he hangs onto the tree and then makes a cocoon. Now, how many of you guys, when you think of a cocoon, where does the cocoon come from? It comes from the caterpillar inside. I had this thought, incorrectly, that a caterpillar like wove a cocoon around his head and then around his body, and then he was in a cocoon. That is absolutely not the case. It comes from within. And it then, so the caterpillar sheds its, its exterior and then is within this cocoon or this chrysalis and is dissolved into goo. <laughs> I was like, I wonder what happens if you cut that thing open. So I looked it up. And the caterpillar is like it dissolves itself into like this mush, and the caterpillar's still there. There's still the essence of caterpillar, but gradually it's reformed into something else. We like that caterpillar before Christ. We eat, we eat, we eat, we consume, we f satisfy the flesh. But once we say, "I'm done with that." Once we are crucified with Christ and we no longer live, then that change starts from within. Christ starts changing our hearts and starts changing, changing us. And it would be nice to say that we ultimately become the butterfly, but that doesn't happen here. That butterfly experience, that's our new creation in heaven. But throughout that time, we're being made into something different. Christ is working on us. He's changing us from what we were to what we will be. And so, as I thought about that, I was like, wow, that's crazy that, uh, that right now I'm in kind of a, a gooish state. I'm thankful that, that, uh, that it's not me changing myself into what I'm going to become. I'm thankful that it's, it's his working and not me. Amen. And so 
to be crucified with, with, with Christ and, and no longer live. That's one thing. That's, that's great. But what now? In that skit, um, a question that kept coming back to my mind from that skit was, what are you going to do? He's standing here and Jesus is taking his bonds. He's taking his sin. He's taking his shame. What are you going to do with that? And I'm not saying, what are you going to do? Like, what's your action? But what's your response? How are you going to say, all right, I'm done living of myself. I'm done consuming for myself. What are you going to do? Well, the caterpillar submits. He hangs it up and allows Christ to transform him. We need to hang it up. We need to allow Christ to transform us and change us into what he wants us to be, not what we are. But how do we do that? In Galatians, they were getting a conflicting message of you need to be circumcised. You need to follow the law. And Paul, in, in chapter 3, says that in, in uh, verse 6, or I'm sorry, I'll start in verse 5. Does he who supplies the work of the Spirit, supplies the Spirit to you and the works of miracles among you do so by works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. That idea of Abraham believed and it was counted to him as righteousness, Paul refers to that in Romans. It's a, a, a term where it's, it's credited to him. Abraham did nothing to get that righteousness. He believed. He didn't believe in God. He believed God. And so if you would turn with me to Genesis 12. In, in chapter 12, um, verse 3, it says this, I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Later on in that chapter, the Lord says in, in verse 7, it says, The Lord appeared to Abraham and said, to your offspring, offspring, I will give this land. And so he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. So, so the first thing that God says in, in verse 3 is that in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Was that, going back to Galatians, was that in Abraham we're all blessed? No, he's referring to Christ. And again, he reaffirms this promise to Abraham in, verse 15, in chapter 15 
of Genesis. In chapter 15, uh, it says, starting in verse 7, it says, And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord God, I know, or how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, Bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, a young pigeon. And he brought him all these and cut them in half and laid each over against the other. But he did not, uh, did not cut the birds in half. And when the birds of prey came down um, on the carcass, Abraham drove them away. Verse 12, as the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abraham. And behold, uh, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abraham, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in the land that is not theirs, and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace, you shall be buried at a good old age, and they shall come back here in the fourth generation with the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, the smoking fire, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham saying, your offspring I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river of the Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, because I can't say that, uh, Kittimites, Hittites, Perizzites, and the Rephraim, the Amorites, Canaanites, and the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. So God makes this covenant with Abraham that he's going to give him the promised land. And in verse 6, before all this, he says, um, I'm sorry, uh, it says, uh, verse 5, it says, and he brought him outside and said, look to the heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now, God wasn't saying to Abraham, if you can count all the stars, that's how many your offspring will be. We know that the Israelites, we have a number for them. But what was brought through that promise through Abraham's seed, through Christ, is us. We as Christians are part of that promise. And Paul says in, in, in Galatians 3, he says that we are heirs of Christ. We're heirs of Christ because not what Abraham did, not what we have done, but because of what Christ has done. Through Christ's actions, through Christ's sacrifice, we are brought into that promise. We are adopted as heirs, and we have, we have the promise that Abraham had. We are going to be brought into the land of promise. That land of promise is heaven. We are given the heaven through this promise. As I was studying um, 
a preacher was talking about um, about slaves, and, and he made this comment. He goes, and it's something that I think we miss because we don't have slavery here. But the Romans, they had slavery. It was a common thing. And slaves could be bought to remain as slaves or be bought to be freed. Like we started off, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. If you've been bought out of slavery and made free, why would you submit to that again? The Romans also had a, a good understanding of being adopted. Uh, in one of my study Bibles, it talks about the fact that Caesars, not Caesar Augustus, but other Caesars were adopted. Adopted in to be the heirs of the previous Caesar. There was laws that said if you were adopted, you had full rights even as a person who was born into that family. Again, we've been adopted through Christ's sacrifice. He has brought us into this family. He's brought us into the promise of Abraham so that we have the hope of heaven. And, and it's not by our actions, again, it's by what God has done. And in chapter 4, it gave us the example of Hagar and Sarah and the two children that Abraham produces, one of the flesh and one of the promise. And in, it's interesting to, to think about Genesis 22, and when, if you recall the story, Abraham is told to take Isaac, the son of the promise, up to the mountain and to sacrifice him. And he goes through it. Isaac is not a little kid, but probably an older man. And Abraham is a really old man. And yet they went. And at one point in time, Isaac asks his father, he says, Lord, or uh, Abraham, uh, father, where is the, the ram? Where is the sacrifice? And in verse 8, it says, God will provide a sacrifice for him of himself. God provided that sacrifice of himself through Christ on the cross. In that skit that we saw last Sunday, he'll take it. He'll take our, our, our bondage. He'll take our shame. All we have to do is just say, there you go. I believe you will take it. I believe that you have conquered it. I believe that you have washed away my sin. I believe that you have freed me from sin. I believe that you have adopted me as a son or a daughter. That's it. We have to believe God. What he says is true. What he says he will do, he has done. 
that Jesus wasn't just plan B. It wasn't a mistake. It wasn't on nuts. Adam and Eve screwed up. I got to figure out something to fix this. He was a sacrifice prepared before the beginning of the world. We have a tendency to make things simple, hard. At work, at home, at church, in relationship with Christ, we make things hard. And it's hard sometimes because we make it hard. It's hard because we have to deal with other people. It's hard because it seems too simple that God would make it that easy for us that he wouldn't require something in addition, that he wouldn't ask us to do this and that. I'm thankful that that's all he asks. I'm thankful that I don't have to remember what the second condition is. Because just like my sons, I would likely forget it. Or I would remember that and forget the first thing. And sometimes we do that. Sometimes we remember the second thing. Sometimes we remember, I've got to do this, and I don't remember the other, but I've got to do this. Don't allow yourself to forget that grace is all you need. Don't allow yourself to forget that it's just that simple. Don't allow anybody to ever try to trick you into thinking that you got to do this and something else. We see what that looks like. We see with the, uh, the Mormon church. They've got to follow all these rules and get married in the temple and wear the special underwear. <laughs> it's not that. It wasn't from a, an angel Moroni. It wasn't that. Paul got the word, uh, got the gospel from Christ himself. And it lined up with everything else. It lined up with what the prophets had said. It lined up what God's promises were. It lined up with even what, what the, the apostles knew as they walked with Jesus. He even corrected them, as he reminds us in, in chapter 2. He, he corrected the disciples. He corrected Peter to his face. And said it's just as simple as grace. And, and Dan had, had said uh, in, chapter, in chapter 4, it, it, he had referred to this as well. Starting in verse 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born, on, uh, born under the law to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are adopted as sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, an heir through God. I recently received... Um, from a camp that I used to work at, the songbook. And I was going through those songs and just remembering 
They're super simple, but they're super powerful. And one of my favorites, and Gus, you might want to turn me down. (laughs) One of my favorite songs is Joy is the Flag. And it goes like this, and there's, there's motions and actions involved. If you want to follow along, please do. But it goes like this. You got to put your flagpole up and then put your flag out with the thing and then it waves. And it goes like this. Joy is the flag flown high from the castle of my heart, from the castle of my heart, from the castle of my heart. Joy is the flag flown high from the castle of my heart when the king is in residence there. That's the chorus. That's the verse. And this is where you might need to turn me way down. (laughs) Because then you go from saying, So let it fly in the sky, let the whole world know, let the whole world know, let the whole world know, let it fly in the sky, let the whole world know that the king is in residence there. And then you go back and you put your flag out and Joy is a flag flown high over and over and over again. And the awesome thing about camp songs is that they are super simple. But that song, joy is the flag. Joy is the flag when the king is in residence there. And what is our response? What are we going to do? We're going to let the whole world know. It's simple. We have to be fools for Christ. Let it go. Be crazy. Be crazy in love with the king who has rescued you. Be crazy in love with the fact that God has ransomed you from your sins. He has paid the sacrifice. He has done it all. And all you have to do is believe. Now, it's one thing to say it, but sometimes life is tough. And something we talked about in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Steve, I went into chapter 12. You'll be proud of me. (laughs) Is this. It would be one thing to say, joy is the flag and we're all going crazy and everything's happy-go-lucky. But we see in, in chapter 12 of 2 Corinthians, verse 7, so to keep me from being, becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me this, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And Paul's response is, therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Sometimes life sucks. 
Sometimes life is tough. It doesn't go the whole way you want it to go. Sometimes your joy as the flag isn't as joyous as it was the day before. But remember this. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. So what are you going to do? We will boast all the more gladly of our weakness. We will boast of the power of Christ because he's done it. And all we need to do is believe in him. As we've finished up Galatians, the gospel of grace, we move. We're going to start in Deuteronomy. We go from the gospel of grace to a second reading of the law. But here's the awesome thing. While the law didn't bring us salvation, the law points out our need for a savior. So as we go into the law, don't be bogged down. Don't be beaten down. Don't bind yourself up and saying, oh, I got to do that now. But remember that Christ has done it already. That's all that I have this morning. So if the uh, band would like to come up. If you're here this morning and you haven't believed, not believed in God, but if you haven't believed that he has done it, if you haven't believed that God has paid the price, please let us know. It's that simple. Let us know. We want to pray with you. We want to continue to walk with you. We don't want you to go away from this place and be yoked into the bondage of sin and the law. We want you to live like joy is the flag. So that you can let the whole world know what the king has done in your heart. What he's doing in you and through you. That you can boast in your weakness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace that surpasses our understanding, that covers our weakness, that is sufficient for our every need. Thank you for making it simple so that it's not up to us. I ask that you would just, as we go our separate ways, as we get into Deuteronomy, as we continue to walk through this life, that we would be transformed into what you want us to be. That we wouldn't be brought under a yoke of slavery anymore that we wouldn't go back to our old ways, that we would glorify in who you are and what you've done. In your name we pray. Amen.